Welcome to season five of the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, best-selling author and international speaker, Michael Sherlock. The Shock Your Potential podcast is dedicated to entrepreneurs looking to up their game, increase their income, and to scale their businesses to new heights. Shock Your Potential is a professional services company providing affordable services to small businesses, matching entrepreneurs with virtual assistants, and offering specialized leadership and sales training to companies around the world. Learn more today at shockyourpotential.com and listen in now to another exceptional episode that will help you to shock your potential. Thank you for joining us on a brand new season of Shock Your Potential, where we are learning more about entrepreneurs every day. In fact, this month, we are talking to some very fierce and fabulous female entrepreneurs specifically. And my guest today, I cannot wait to interview her. I know I'm going to learn a lot from her and, uh, you know, I'm just going to be taking notes. So you guys better get your pen and paper out. Pavlina Asta is an award-winning multimedia personality. She's also a best-selling author, and we'll talk about that as well. She's currently based in New York, but here's what is really special about her. She implements her dynamic talents daily as a content creator, a producer, host, and of course, she's a serial entrepreneur because, you know everybody's got to have one more thing to do on their plate. But as if this wasn't enough, she has some strong roots uh, in speaking to pop culture and specifically because of her age, this is going to come into our dialogue. At age 11, she hosted her first radio talk show. Now you might say, Hey, well, that sounds great, but get this. She won five Gracie awards. She won a tally award, a communicator award, a rising star award. And as she continued her little journey in this multimedia uh, realm, she interviewed over 600 notable celebrities. Later on, she also earned herself a Guinness world record for the most radio interviews conducted in a 24 hour period. You might want to know how many 347, which meant she did not sleep. Now she is groundbreaker as a Gen Z commentator. She continues to make some waves here and there in the media industry. And I know we're going to learn a lot more about that. Her newest book is called 20 Things Every Motivated 20-something Should Know. And she has a podcast called The Greatness Blueprint. And she is joining me today, Pavlina. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for joining me today. Michael, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to join you and talk with your audience. It's going to be a great time. It is. You are amazing. Um, it's. I always love everybody's bios because it gives just a little glimpse. But you know, these things are incredible. You've achieved a lot in not very long. But that just hit some of the highlights. Tell me a little bit more about you, your mini businesses, and and uh, things you have your fingers in, and how you help people to shock their potential. Absolutely. So as you said, I started my radio show when I was 11 years old. I play steel drums and was getting, I was just getting interviews by local radio stations. And they were like, what is this kid doing playing steel drums in the radio stations? Like you should have your own show. And I started interviewing celebrities, um, which just sort of happened out of the blue uh, that snowballed. And I found myself turning my hobby into my career. And as I got older, I started doing, you know, the millennial Gen Z commentating on different talk shows on, you know, podcasts and everything. Because I was fascinated with my generation. I was like, why are they struggling with the things that they're struggling with? Why are they struggling so much with mental health, with jobs, with, you know, interacting with 
their boomer uh, co-workers, like all of these different things, even financially, why are they struggling? So I was really fascinated by that. And I always felt very thankful for finding out what I wanted to do so early. And that really motivated me not only to become a millennial Gen Z expert to sort of guide them in that way, but to get more into the self-improvement wellness realm uh, where, and that's where I've been recently. So I quit my corporate job in July, which was not very long ago, um, to really focus on myself and my uh, the career that I wanted to do, my brand and everything. And I wanted to really transition from the celebrity side of things into wellness and self-development to not only sort of be a guide for my fellow, you know, young millennials and Gen Zs um, and young professionals out there that are struggling with these things, um, but to to sort of be their voice in in a way, just because, you know, I wanted to, I want to be able to interview and educate the people that are able to, to help them uh, with what it is that they're going through. So that's been my recent, uh, recent endeavor, <laughs> I guess to say. <laughs> You know, I uh, I didn't intend to ask about because I didn't know about the steel drums. Where oh, did yeah. that come from? Or was that just yeah. something you learned along the way and you're like, I'm just going to keep playing these? I grew up in Daytona Beach, Florida, and it's like the most random mm. thing to have steel drums. But in my elementary school, there was a program for the fifth graders and there was a steel drum program. And I was like fascinated with this. Like I loved anything that was percussion. I always had sort of a knack for that. I didn't really care about the flute or the trombone or none of that. I was just like, no, I'm good. I liked anything that was percussion. Timpanis were also a favorite, but the steel drums, I just thought were like, I just thought they were beautiful. I was like, these are so cool. Yeah. And I mean, I specialized in the double seconds, which are very melodic. It's not like the Mm -hmm. single drum that's very like tingy, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I just thought they were beautiful. And I asked my parents one, you know, after I, you know, got out of fifth grade because they didn't carry the program over to middle school. I was like, can I have my own steel drums? So my mom found Tommy Reynolds, who was in the famous 70s band Hamilton, Joe Franken Reynolds. They had oh that song. Gosh. Yeah. Do you know the song? Like, yes. don't my level. Yes, yes, yes. So he made my steel drums. He's so cool. He lives in Sanford, Florida. I think he's, I'm not sure if he's still there or like, this was like a million years ago, but um, he made my steel drums, sent them to Trinidad, which I wanted to go to Trinidad for so long. I know. Right. I know wow. he to get them chromed and then sent them back. I would go to him every once in a while to get them tuned out and everything. But the history behind steel drums is fascinating and it's beautiful. Um, the culture in Trinidad and I mean, all over the world and the Caribbeans and everywhere around steel drums is beautiful. Um, it's just such an unappreciated like instrument in my yeah. opinion. And when I, I loved them so much, I didn't have anywhere to go with it. So I would just go on the beaches of Daytona. You know what I mean? Like I, I, to me, it just worked. You know, I was just like, I'm just, you know, out here enjoying like the waves and like playing my steel drums. And that's how it all got started because I was just like out doing my thing, you know? And they're magical. I mean, really every time they I are. hear one, it's just, you know, it just makes you happy and very relaxed. Yeah. Now I love that. So how did that transfer into like, I'm playing the steel drums in a, in a radio show? So it happened very quickly in the sense that I was playing on the beach, just like you don't need permits for that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like you're just out there doing your thing. And it was 
kind of amazing, like the sort of journey. I would talk with different homeless people. <laughs> My mom was around, I swear. She was like back in the car, making sure I wasn't like getting kidnapped or anything. Like she was around. Yeah. Um, but I like to talk to people. Like everyone would pass by. They'd be like, oh, can you play Red Red Wine? Or like, don't cry for me, Argentina. And I was like all about it. I would like learn how to play the song and like... <laughs> Um, and there was this one homeless man that like really made an impact on me actually. And he said to me that, you know, you should go up to the ocean walk, which is where all the shops are. And like, they have like the band shell there, um, which is where they have, they hold concerts and stuff. And he was saying like, I'm not allowed to go there, but you should go. And I was just like, oh my goodness. Okay. Um, so I think it was that day I told my mom, I was like, I need to go to the ocean walk and ask them if I can play, you know, in front of the Starbucks or whatever. And they let me play there. Um, Tips were a lot better. Oh, I bet. (laughs) Yes. So I, and I donated all my tips to um, different animal shelters because I'm very passionate about, you know, animal shelters and like making sure I just, I think that they need love, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Also growing up, I did a lot of work with like local counties in Florida to make sure that they were like getting spayed and neutered and like different vans go around lots of work. It was crazy. But I started, um, mostly like in the ocean walk, getting those performances done. And then I would go to the band show. They would have me perform there. And then water parks would ask me to play. Like it just, it Daytona, you know, a lot of word of mouth, you know, really is always the way to go. And, um, I think someone was at the water park and like, that's how I got my first radio interview. And then I went to another radio station because I liked being there. You know, I liked talking with the viewers or like to the listeners. I liked, you know, the buttons on the board. Like I just thought the whole process was really cool. So I started like going around to different ones and seeing, you know, how I can, or I would be like, oh, I can play my steel drums for you. Um, And then one of the radio station managers was like, you actually sound pretty good on it. I was like, I do not sound good on air, sir. Like I am 11. I have a squeaky voice. Like it is not cute. Nothing about, I have nothing to talk about. Like, this is not a good, good vibe, but okay, sure. And so I was given 15 minutes. Um, I didn't know how to fill up that time. So I was told that interviews are a good way to fill up the time. And they sure are, you know, Kevin Jonas came to Daytona, um, literally like within the week that I started my show, my friend had, uh, meet and greet passes and I just snuck in. I literally was like, I'll go in the back. So that way they don't really like see me and I don't get anyone else in trouble, you know? And I just, I actually, I lied. And I said that I had an interview with him and he was like, I know that you don't because I'm his manager and I would know this. I have so many of these stories, Michael. It's not even funny. Like not me lying. Okay. Not that part. But like these interviews, like they've been crazy. Um, And he gave me five minutes. And then the next week, I think I interviewed Vince Carter, who's also from my hometown, the NBA superstar. And then it just snowballed and it got like crazier and crazier, red carpets. And then I went all over Florida for my interviews and then all over the country and then ended up moving to New York when I was 18. So it's been wild. I mean, it's, it's really fun. I mean, hearing all that story, all your stories really, uh, 
you know, I mean, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about your entrepreneurial journey, but you were really pounding the pavement without seeing it that way. You were just experiencing and looking for the next thing that, you know, gave you more joy. And I think sometimes a lot of business owners or entrepreneurs, or frankly, even just people in in any job, sometimes think of their job as a grind instead of finding what you know, sparks their passion in it yes. that keeps them going when it's tough or when they say, I have 15 minutes, of, I have to fill up. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to sneak in and find Kevin Jonas. <laughs> it's, you know, it's one of those things where um, I, don't, I don't remember the saying, but it's something like we, you know, to keep that childlike uh, mentality in a way, because mm-hmm. I think as adults, and I've definitely noticed this with myself you know, get going into college and just being in New York has been a challenge for me. Um, and it's just like when, when you're starting your business and you want to pay the bills, you want to be successful, you want to, um, you know, prove all those people wrong. You're just like stress. It's like, you're just like in a mode of stress, like 24 seven and you don't flow the way that you should. Um, and that's the thing, like when I was a kid, my mom had no idea what I was doing half the time. My dad sure as I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I was just like, okay, I'm going to go here. How do I do this? How do I do research? Okay. Where can I find this person who's coming next to like Orlando or whatever? And that was, it was just such a natural flow on like what I wanted to do. And I just made it happen. Like, I think we get to analysis paralysis and like in our heads and we overthink and, um, we get worried about what other people are saying around us. And like, don't get me wrong. I was not the cool kid in school. Like doing these (laughs) interviews did not make me cool. Okay. I was like the radio girl, which was not really a compliment. Like it was more of like, Oh, you know, and they, it was, it was an interesting time in school. But, um, I think that the older we get, the more roadblocks we like put in our own way. And that definitely can stop us from doing our best work or getting it to where we want to go, you know? Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think that your stories also, and this kind of awareness from a little time away and, and distance from it shows that you're taking each of those experiences and you're trying to figure out what did I learn from that and how do I embrace that and what things do I want to keep and what things do I not need anymore? Mm-hmm. Um, so I know, you know, before we take a break, I want to hear just a little bit, you know, I know you're really focusing back on your media, um, especially in the last few months, since you've been part of the great resignation, as we were talking about before. So, you know, what, where, what do you see in your future? What are the next things that are really exciting for you? Yeah. So I came up with my book during COVID, which has been crazy. I'm super like, just proud of the fact that it's a bestseller on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Nope. That's not easy. <laughs> um, so very proud of that and just how it's doing. Um, and so I want to continue to work on that, promote the book, of course, um, and just get it into people's hands because I do know that it's, it's a guide and a blueprint for young people to succeed, not only in their careers, but also in their lives. I talk a lot about mentality and their mindset because your mindset is everything. And it is very, I feel like there's so much noise out there. There's so much uh, false information, (laughs) whether it's on, obviously like we're used to the news not being accurate. Um, We're used to a lot of things not being, you know, real or whatever, but there's so much, there's so much like fake spirituality out there even. There's so much... Mm. Um, just noise. And it's just like, 
I want, like, I try to sort of cut through that with a tough love kind of way, um, with a sprinkle of, you know, the celebrity advice that I got throughout the years, um, in my book, 20 things, every motivated 20 something should know. So very proud of that. But then also my podcast, I actually started my first podcast as research for the book. So the other thing I'm working on right now is after doing all this rebranding, which rebranding is no joke. Like my goodness, it's exhausting. So I just finished that whole process. Um, and, and then focusing on my podcast because the podcast is basically going to be sort of like a branch off the book. I really want to go into every single issue that I know I have, or that I know peers of mine have, um, to sort of help on that self-improvement, self-development journey. So that's, that's where we're going. And it's really, really important. One thing that I'm so thankful for that I didn't have is 20 something. And I know you talked a little bit about mental health is I didn't know that at 18 and actually a little bit before that, more like 16, I started, uh, I was suffering at that time from depression, but I had no idea that was before Prozac was out. So nobody talked about that. It was either you were just like blue or get over it, or why aren't you happy or put a smile on your face or turn that frown upside down. And in my 20s, I started to understand that there was some such thing as mental illness. And it didn't mean that you mental illness meant you were always, you know, had to be locked away, but mental illness where people around us were, were dealing with this and living with this. I'm so thankful today that we talk about these things in such a different way and not as a brand on you that you can't escape, but as something that's we're all we're all dealing with in one way or the other. Let's figure out how to talk about it so we don't suffer from it. I don't suffer from it anymore because I learned how to uh, deal with it and how to organize my life. But many, many years I suffered from it. And I don't want to see people do that, you know, in this world. I am so thankful we talk about mental illness and mental health just because Mm -hmm. especially in, I mean, when you think about it generationally, we had like the silent generation where Mm -hmm. my goodness, the depression and like, they didn't talk about anything and you just, you just fucked up and did your thing. And I don't know how they dealt with, with certain things, but everyone was sort of dealing with that collectively. And you sort of knew that you kind of felt it. And then their kids, I mean, you just didn't really talk about it because it's like, what's wrong with you? You know what I mean? Um, because they were raised by that generation where it was just like, we had to pick up potatoes off the street. You know what I mean? Like crazy, you know? (laughs) And then with us, I mean, people could be struggling or not be as successful as you think or whatever, but like, then we see social media is so social media, like, oh my goodness, is such a thing. Um, thing. And that can be very deceiving for people and it can really play tricks on your mind. And especially when, you know, when it's all over the place, like I'm just glad we do talk about it because so much, it's so easy to suffer from anxiety, depression, um, Mm -hmm. you know, FOMO, even just like all of these different things that uh, are self-inflicted and self, you know what I mean? In right. I'm, I, it's important that we talk about it because it's, it's part of who we are. I think it makes people a lot more compassionate. It's like, you know, when you hear someone say, I need to take a mental health day, it's like, okay, well, if I, if you need anything, I'm here for you. Like I got you. Like, I think in a world where it is made smaller because of social media, we're also separated from each other, especially because of COVID. It's like, no one knows how to have 
conversations anymore. No one knows how to be in person with each other anymore. It's a very weird dynamic. And I feel like um, being able to talk about that and being open with each other enough to do that does bring in more of the human connection side that we seem to lose when everything is digital. Do you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. Well, Paulina, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor and we will be right back. Are you a highly sensitive individual? If you are, you are part of the 20% of people whose nervous system is wired to take in more stimulation than others. This can feel overwhelming, trying to get by through coping and stuck in your shadows instead of your strengths. But it doesn't need to be that way. You can learn to be in charge of yourself physically, spiritually, and financially in a way that honors your highly sensitive self. Heather Dominic is the founder of businessmiracles.com, and she's been training highly sensitive entrepreneurs and leaders since 2010 to do things differently by working less and making more of a social impact and a higher income. Whether you've been in business for years or are just starting out, highly sensitive entrepreneurs are sick of trying to, usually secretly, manage overwhelm and other ways your highly sensitive nervous system tends to hijack and work against you. Now you're ready to learn how to be comfortable in your highly sensitive skin, to create your work and life to match who you truly are so you can work less while making more impact and income. I should know, as a super uber highly sensitive entrepreneur myself, working with Heather and her team has changed my life and my businesses. To learn more, please use our affiliate link in the show notes or reach out to the Business Miracles team and tell them you heard about them from the Shock Your Potential podcast. Every listener who joins the Business Miracles program in 2022 will receive a selection of five best-selling books from our Shock Your Potential bookstore authors. Leading as a highly sensitive entrepreneur is a mindset to hold and an energy to embody. To lead means to show someone the way to be in charge of. As a highly sensitive entrepreneur, this starts with learning how to be in charge of yourself first and your purpose second. And we're back with Pavlina Asta, like pasta, as she told me, because you all know that I screw up on everybody's last names all the time, sometimes on their first names. Um, and I'm so glad that we're having this dialogue because it's really important. And one, the next question I want to ask you is, is actually, even though it's about, you know, kind of what you've learned as an entrepreneur or obstacles that you've faced or overcome, I think it's a great follow-up to just that last dialogue is we live in a really different world today than I grew up in. You know, I didn't have a, you know, a cell phone. I, I remember when I got my first cell phone and I thought, oh, this is going to make my life much easier if I could go back in time and change that. Um, but, you know, being an entrepreneur is not just, you know, the normal issues everybody faces because you've got all these other things that are all piled on. So when you look at your own entrepreneurial journey, which has lasted a long time, it's it's amazing, you know, your, your um, the resourcefulness at a young age. What's the greatest obstacle that you've either had to overcome or you're trying to overcome right now? And, you know, talk to us a little bit about it. Yeah, I think, I mean, different obstacles at different times, you know, like growing up, it was dealing with some of my peers. Like I got along with everyone. That was never really the issue. It was more of, they didn't really understand what I was doing or would question it. Or, you know, the dance moms would be like, 
why are you doing that instead of focusing on ballet? Cause I, I, I was training to be a ballerina for a long time and it was just like, why are you playing steel drums? Like what's wrong with you? You know what I mean? Like you need to spend more hours like, in the studio. Right. And, yeah. um, so just dealing with the, not really getting a lot of support, um, at a young age was sort of difficult and having to like normalize everything was, was kind of weird because I would interview Ed Sheeran at the radio station in the morning. Cause I was, you know, I would get a call at night. Oh, Hey, you know, last minute we're having Ed Sheeran come for this like surprise concert. Do you want to do an interview? And I'm like, yes, I'll miss yeah. class. Absolutely. I don't need to go. Okay. So then I go there, go back to school. It was a lot of like, just turning it on and off. Like, Oh, now I'm a student. Oh, now I'm a radio host. It was a very uh, complicated dynamic, especially when like my parents are in media, no one around me knew what was going on, you know? So I just had to sort of adjust all the time. Um, and especially with like, I, I learned sacrifice pretty early on, you know, for what really matters. Like, okay, do I want to do an interview with a legendary, you know, musician like Charlie Daniels? Like he recently passed away and it was like, Heartbreak. I love Charlie Daniels. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I love it. Yeah. He would, I love him. He was so, so sweet with me. So great. I, we actually met up a few times um, because he would go around to like the different like country festivals. I think Tanya Tucker would be there. Like it was just, it was a party, you know? And so I remember his, him in particular, because one of my best friends was having like a sleepover that day. And I, my mom was like, do you want to go to the sleepover? Do you want to go to the interview? And I was like, I really want to do this interview, you know? So I was like, I'll make it up to my friend, you know, I'll I'll bring you a cupcake in the morning or something. But, um, I think just learning a lot of those lessons really young, um, can be difficult and just obstacles I've had recently. I mean, it's, it was challenging, um, for me while I was in college and while I was sort of trying to climb the corporate ladder, um, because I wasn't focusing on my career as much. And I didn't really understand timelines with things. I didn't really understand, uh, you know, how a career actually progresses. You know, does that make sense? You know what I mean? So I think that was, that was definitely a challenge. Um, I have a lot more perspective now, which is good. Um, which is, I mean, it's important. Um, but yeah, I think just in general, understanding how, I, how like being an entrepreneur, you're going to have ups and downs, right? You're going to have a lot of wins, but you're also going to have a lot of lows <laughs> and yeah. I don't like lows, but like the lows are when you learn the mistakes are when you actually are growing and that's how you have the wins. And it took me a minute to like really understand that because growing up, like if I didn't get an interview, I didn't really see anything as like a loss. You know what I mean? I didn't really see anything, but growing, like, as I got older, I started to see things as like wins and losses and I didn't, and I've, I'm trying to reverse that and go back to how I used to think where it was like, nope, that was a learning experience versus I failed. I didn't get that, you know? So that has been a big obstacle for me to just sort of like change my mentality on that. Because I think when, when I moved to New York, um, I was 18, just like very in my own, you know, just, it was a complete culture shock, honestly, like in a way it's very different. That, very different. And when you're, you know, separated from your family and you're like around just a whole different group of people, like who, who you're around really does affect your mental state and how you think and what you believe and how you perceive things. Just like all of that. That's why it's so 
incredibly important, like who you surround yourself with. And I, I wasn't surrounded by like the right group of people when I first moved here. And I think that sort of messed with me too. So figuring all of that out, um, I mean, I'm just glad I figured it out when I did and not like later on or something, you know, Absolutely. because yeah, because that makes a huge difference in, in where your, where your life trajectory can go, you know, because if, well, if you around people that have like a negative mindset, a negative person, you adopt that. And it's just like, and then you get stuck in it and you're just like, what's wrong with me? This is happening, you know? So mm-hmm. it, it's a vicious cycle that, um, you need to catch early on if you, if you see it, you know, and well, I think a couple of are better with that. A couple of things that you said really struck me. And that was, that was one of them was who you're around. It's really important. I mean, we all have heard this, you know, the statement, you're the culmination of the five people you spend the most time with. And I think that's really, I think that's really true, you know, because you seek out different things, but you begin to absorb from them. So being cognizant of that is important, but I also want to go back to something you said, because you were talking about even making the decision to go interview Charlie Daniels instead of go to your friend's sleepover. And you said, no, I'm going to make this decision. I will make it up to her. Um, That's something that people face and really struggle with. It's like, do I go to my kid's soccer game or do I go, you know, on this business trip? Do I have this dinner with my spouse or do I stay late to finish the project? Do I, you know, do I climb the ladder or do I, you know, there's so many choices. And I love how you put it because just in that brief description, basically what you told me is you're like, okay, I'm going to weigh the options. I'm going to look at them all. I'm going to see what I really want, what I want, not what I feel obligated to. Right. And I'm going to do it. And I'm going to figure out how to, you know, make sure everything works as best as possible. But at the end, and you didn't say this, but I, I, I gained the feeling of it. And I was really empowered by it, a sense of, well, if she's not happy, I'll figure out how to make her a little happier. But really, to me, this is about making me happy. And I don't think we all get caught up in trying to make other people happy a lot of the times that we lose. And then that puts us back in that other cycle. Yes, 100%. 100%. I I think that especially like when you have a partner or you get married and you start to have kids, like mm-hmm. you, you lose pieces of yourself just sort of along the way. I mean, I'm not married. Oh, I yeah. don't have any kids. I don't know, but I'm assuming, right. That I'm going to say, yes, you're right. <laughs> just from, obs- just, obs- you know, observations, just from what I've seen, um, that you, you lose pieces of yourself because you have to sacrifice like, Oh, you got to, Oh, we have to go do this. And like Susie mm-hmm. needs this and whatever. And it's so important to, to do the things that, cause that that's what keeps you whole, you know? And I think there is, I mean, they always say that you can't have it. Like, I think you can have it all. I really yeah. do. Like, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a challenge. Um, but I am a huge pro pros and cons fan. You know, I'm just like, I like to weigh out the options and especially, um, as you get older, when you see like, okay, you know, so say I'm married, right. Do this with the husband or like, I can't do this versus like something that needs to happen with the business. I mean, like, that's a conversation that needs to be had with like the husband or whoever it is and be like, this needs to come first. Like, love you, (laughs) your your boo. But at the same time, like this has to come first. And like, I think that's just communications, everything, because I think if someone understands whether it's your kids or your spouse or whoever, they understand like this will make you happy and more productive in whatever, or, um, you know, how can they, how can they not be happy? How can they not like 
understand that, you know, if and you have the conversation about it to your point. I mean, that's absolutely be open, be honest, have the conversation and say, and, but ask also, how do you feel about that? Are you okay with it? And if you're not, how do we find a way, you know, right. I'll bring you a cupcake, but, but I'll bring you, know. you a cupcake. I promise <laughs> hey, cupcakes make everything better. When in doubt, just throw a cupcake, throw like some donuts at someone. They'll probably feel better. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Or you can send me macarons anytime. I oh love it. Gosh, yes. Anytime. <laughs> I love it. So what do you think is your greatest strength and how have you used that to really further what you're trying to accomplish on your entrepreneurial journey? Oh my goodness. Greatest strength. I, you actually said it earlier and I, um, okay. You, yeah. The one thing that you said earlier, I'm thinking, I was thinking about something else, but you said the word earlier is resourceful. I mean, I think that all entrepreneurs have to be extremely resourceful. Like you really need to find when in doubt you find a way, you know what I mean? Like not my interview with Tom Brokaw was completely off the cuff. And 90% of my interviews were scheduled. Um, mm-hmm. They had a time they were, you know, book in the books, but like Tom Brokaw, he saw me like weave my way through backstage. And he was like, I saw how you worked that. And because of that, we'll do the interview. You know what I mean? And even just like the way I approached him or like the way that you, you know, um, being resourceful, I think is one of an entrepreneur is like most important tools in their bag, you know? Yeah. Um, and not to be like a perfect, I used to be a perfectionist. So now I'd say one of my newer strengths is not needing to be a perfectionist, just like consistency over perfection all day, every day. You know what I mean? Like all that's, I'm very proud of my, the self, like I'm very proud of myself for not needing to feel like my little OCD-ness needs to kick in, you know? <laughs> I'm still working on that. I'm getting much better on it too. Uh, I'm I'm quite a bit older than you, but I am getting better at that too, because you're right. Uh, if you sit in perfectionism too long, you'll make yourself crazy. You make yourself crazy and you honestly get nothing done. Like right, that exactly. is something I started to notice with myself because I would work with a lot of different PR or managers or agents and like they all wanted to have, they all had an input um, and they all have something to say. And I'm like, I appreciate you. Love you all. However, you know, this person who is where I would like to be, you know, um, who was also three times my age, but I'd like to be where they are, you know, is not nearly as good as this or like has these issues as well. So why are we nitpicking? You know what I mean? Right. So, but that mentality of just like make wanting to make it perfect, like 24 seven, you won't, you'll end up just like, stopping in your tracks and nothing will get done and you'll just not progress like you should because you like one of my really good friends um said you know he basically gave the metaphor like if you're opening a restaurant you know as long as you have the necessities and you have some tables and chairs like get people in the doors you know right. just get people in there you can paint on the weekends <laughs> you can right. finish the the curtains and whatever like at, at night when, you know, no one else is there. Um, and that's when, that's how you grow. That's how you move forward. It's not when it's all pin perfect. And then you start to let people in because it'll never be that level of perfection, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I thinking about a former client of mine who, as you were talking, I'm like, yeah, they pretty much analyze themselves into so much uh, overthinking for perfectionism, but they missed a huge opportunity that they could have had with the global pandemic. So interesting. Wow. Yeah. I mean, well, analysis paralysis, it will literally absolutely. stop you in your tracks. 
Absolutely. If you could go back in time and talk to the younger you, um, maybe that 11 year old or even younger and tell her anything that would have shocked her potential farther or faster or kept her on the exact same path. Yeah. When would you go back? What would you tell her? Oh my goodness. Um, I don't know if there would like be like a specific time, but I would basically say to like own your like own yourself. You know what I mean? Like own what you're doing because, and like, do not, um, let the other people get in your head. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because when you're, when you're really young and you don't really have anyone else to talk to you about a lot of things, like what other people say to you, like infiltrates your head. And like, I didn't, I really dulled down a lot of the stuff that I was doing because it wasn't cool to my friends and like, they didn't understand it and didn't want to talk about it. So I, I would just tell myself to like own it, you know, like straight up, like you are an awesome person, like do it. You know what I mean? Like what you're doing is awesome. So like, just keep going with it. And, um, and just like 100%, like you need to be your biggest advocate. Like there were so many times when I wasn't my biggest fan and it's just like, how can you not be your biggest fan? It's you, bro. Like, exactly. Uh, so um, I get mad at myself when I'm like, not my biggest fan. And it's just like, I think that's so important um, to not only own what you're doing, like re- own it, like in all caps, you feel me? And um, to to just like 100% be your, your, your biggest fan. I love it. I love it. Pavlina, I could talk to you forever. I absolutely <laughs> adore it. Um, I know we're going to have all of your contact information on our show notes, including a link to your book. But just in case somebody wants to look you up right now while they're listening, what's the best way for them to find you? Yeah, probably Instagram. We like, I mean, Instagram's cool. Um, everything social media wise is at Pavlina Asta. Um, the website is pavlinaasta.com. Um, yeah, yeah, that's about it. (laughs) Very good. And it's Asta that begins with an O just for everybody else. You can figure out the rest of the spelling. I know you can all spell, but it does start with an O. Now, before we go, Pavlina, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Oh my goodness. Um, wow. Let's see. Besides own your stuff and (laughs) say it again, (laughs) and because it's important and not enough people do, you know, and being your biggest fan, um, there's always, whether, like, no matter what it is that you're going through, it, it gets better, you know, like it will always get better. So just don't stop walking in hell. (laughs) You know, if you're like walking through hell, don't stop it. You got to keep going. You know what I mean? So, um, just, if you are struggling with something, you just have to keep going with it. I think there might be a country song that has that kind of lyrics in it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for um, sharing your story with us, but also sharing your motivation and inspiration. It has been an absolute pleasure having you kick off our January series of fierce and fabulous female entrepreneurs. Thank you so much, Michael. It's been so much fun. I've loved talking with you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.